My life was greatly impacted when I was a kid and a teenager with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody took time to invest in my life. And today I've titled this talk, They Need Us. This generation needs us. Whether you're a college student, mom or dad, maybe you're in your 70s, 80s, and you feel like your life is at the end of the road or you don't have anything to offer, I want you to know this generation needs us. They need us to believe in them when they don't believe in themselves. This generation needs mentors. They need role models. This generation needs us to speak into their lives. They need us to love them. This generation needs us to take time for them. This generation needs you and I. They need us. I want to give you four points today as we look at they need us. Number one is this, as you follow along with me in your bulletin, they need us to wake up, to wake up. Today, I'm going to, in a few moments, read a portion of Scripture to you out of Nehemiah. But before I read that Scripture to you, let me set the, 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 the storyline of what's going on in this portion of Scripture. The children of Israel, they ended up in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the Bible calls it. And when they got to the promised land, they ended up disobeying God. And the Babylonians attacked the children of Israel. And they destroyed the city and the the nation of Israel. And they took the whole nation, the entire people, into captivity. And the children of Israel were living in what we call exile for over 70 years. They were in Babylon, Babylon and they were in Persia for over 70 years years in captivity. And then the children of Israel, after 70 plus years, begin beginning to go back in waves back to Jerusalem, back to, to Judea. And the first and second wave is when Ezra, there's a book in the Bible right before Nehemiah called Ezra. Ezra, he was the priest. And they went back and Ezra was part of that group and he began to restore the people back spiritually, get some spiritual vitality, a, a hunger for God back amongst the children of Israel. And Nehemiah had heard about the city. They had heard that the people were going back to the city of, uh, of Jerusalem and, and Judea. And he caught wind of this. And when he heard about this, he began to wake up. He heard about the devastation. He heard about what the people were going through. And Nehemiah began to wake up. Up. Let me share this scripture with you in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 3 through 4 when he heard about those that, that went back to, uh, to, 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 to Jerusalem. The Bible says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broke down and its gates have been burned with fire. Notice verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. When Nehemiah heard about a generation that was going through trouble, when he heard about how the city was in ruins, the Bible says he began to wake up. His heart was moved and he began to weep. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah woke up to the fact that his city was in ruin and a generation was struggling. He woke up up. And church, can I tell you that this generation is under attack? And it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up to the attack that's going on on this generation. Friday is probably one of my favorite days of the week. It's my off day, and 
And usually Thursdays by noon or so, I'm done, about 90, 95% done with my, my message for Sunday. The sermon's about done and have the notes to the office, community group questions to the office. So Friday, I can kind of just rest a little easy knowing that the message is done and I enjoy my, my family and spend the day with my family. And usually my, my, my wife and I and our kids, we, we go out on a little family date and go on a cheap date and take the kids out somewhere and, and have a good time. And then we, we usually, my wife and I, we go rent a red box movie. Anybody know about Redbox up in here? Hey, Amen. A dollar movie. And we rent us a Redbox movie, and once we put the kids down, we usually watch a, a Redbox movie. And I like those action kind of movies. I like them beat them up, sock them up, knock them out, run them over, jump over the building, swim through the sea, chase them down, and get them, pull their hair. Pray for me. I know I need prayer. I need prayer. But, but I like those kind of movies. And and my, my favorite television show is 24. Anybody else watch 24 in here? Amen. It's okay. I know it's the church of house. Go ahead and lift your hand up. Amen. Hell, I like 24. I like Jack Bauer. When I grow up, I want to be like Jack. I mean, I like Jack because no matter what situation he finds himself in, he could be in Mexico, Guatemala, tied up in a chair, a handkerchief in his mouth, tape over his eyes. And I mean, Jack Bauer's going to get out. And he's going to hurt somebody, too. I, mean, I like Jack. I like Jack. And you know what? No matter what movie I watch, no matter when 24 is over, here's what I know. What I just saw wasn't real. <laughs> that, that's pretend. That, that's made up. That really didn't happen. I know that that wasn't real. But listen to me, church. What's going on in this generation today, it's real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a movie. It's real. It's really happening to this generation. Listen, check out this video.
and we have to wake up. What you saw in this video is really happening. And we can't pretend like everything is okay. And I challenge you, let's not wait until another, another teenager is gunned down to the streets to finally do something about it. Let's not wait until another teenager is pregnant for us to wake up. Let's not wait until another teenager is strung out on drugs. Let's not wait until we've lost an entire generation. Let's wake up and do something before it's too late. Everybody shout, wake up! The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 6, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, who are desensitized to what's happening to our youth. They think it's just okay, it's just normal, it's fine if they're doing this. No, we have to wake up, he says, but let us be alert. In other words, wake up and be self-controlled. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, be self-controlled controlled and alert. In other words, wake up. Wake up because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And church, we have to wake up because all of hell is working overtime to steal, to kill, and to destroy this generation. And just like Nehemiah, when we hear about what's going on, going on in this generation, it needs to move us. It needs to stir us. We must wake up. There's a second thing that you and I need to do. They need us to toughen up, toughen up. The scripture says back in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 12 through 14, then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over. They told them over and over and over. Here's what they said. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. There was a small group of the Jewish people who did not want to rebuild the walls. They were okay with living a defeated life. They were okay with a generation who was not going to live a victorious, overcoming life. They were okay. They were desensitized to it. It's okay to live like this. And they wanted to attack the people who wanted to move forward with God's vision. Verse 13, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Notice this. And fight. Everybody shout, Fight. Come on, everybody shout, fight and fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. The people in, in Nehemiah's day, they didn't let the enemy stop them from rebuilding the wall. They said, we're going to fight off the enemy so that God's work will prevail. They were willing to fight. And today at People's Church, I'm sounding the alarm and I'm saying, it's time to fight. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to be weak-willed, no backbones, mansy-pansy. Oh, no, there's time when the enemy's attacking a generation. We need to fight. It's time to fight for our young ladies. It's time to fight for our young men. It's time to fight for our kids. It's time to fight for this generation. We can't roll over and play dead. We can't stand and watch the enemy destroy our kids. We can no longer be passive. We can no longer watch from a distance. I'm declaring that it's time to fight. We got to wake up 
and toughen up and fight for this generation. The devil, I declare it, the devil can't have this generation of world changers. People's church, when you came to this church, you didn't come to a country club. You came to an army. And we're here to fight for this generation. We're here to do what it takes to reach this generation. We are the army of the Lord. Can I tell you something? It's on. I'm not talking about the light switches in the building. Some of you don't know what that means. It's on! We've declared war, devil! We're exposing God's people to your attacks. And we're going to toughen up. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent, anybody violent in this place for this generation, the violent take it by force. We got to wake up. We got to toughen up. Number three, we got to dream up. We got to dream up. The city of Jerusalem was restored and the wall was rebuilt because Nehemiah had a dream. Nehemiah didn't settle for what was. Nehemiah didn't say, well, it, it's just the way it is. I guess that's just what has to happen to the city and God's people. I mean, it's just, just the way it is. No, Nehemiah got a dream from God to rebuild the wall and to see the city restored. Let me say something to you. Anything great that's ever been done for God always started with a dream. When the enemy comes in like a flood... God's people has to have a dream from him to take back the city. The scripture says in Nehemiah chapter 2, let me share this story with you. This is before Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem, the Judea area. Before then, he was a cupbearer in the king's palace. And so he's still in Babylon. And the Bible says this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heavens and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to, this, to, to, to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried, notice this, so that I can rebuild it. He's still in Babylon. He hasn't even arrived in the city. He just heard the news that a generation is under attack. The city has been destroyed. And Jeremiah, I mean, and Nehemiah gets a dream and says, I want to go back and rebuild the wall. And friends, reaching this generation begins with a dream. Since the very conception of people's church, I've always had a dream to make a major impact on the life of kids and teenagers. We started this church with a, a dream, and we're always dreaming about how can we make a greater impact upon this generation. Matter of fact, one of the major reasons that we built this new facility and did all the remodeling and all that we did was so that we could make a greater impact upon kids and teenagers. We believe in investing in this generation. We believe in impacting their lives while they're young. It's our heart. It's our passion. Matter of fact, our executive team, we've been dreaming. We have this 50 acres, and I know we've only been in here four months or so, but we've been dreaming about building a separate youth facility for our teenagers. I'm talking about something that's awesome where there's game rooms. I can see having a bowling alley and 
some, some, all this land, some, some ball fields back there, a, a place where they can come and they can connect a safe place that they can hear about the gospel, a positive environment. I, I just have a dream in my heart. How do we more effectively impact kids and teenagers with the good news of Jesus Christ, a place where they can come after school and a safe haven where they can be mentored and after school programs, just dreaming on how can we great, have a greater impact upon this generation. I had somebody tell me three weeks ago or so, made me nervous, about passed out. They said, Pastor, you see what God's doing in this church? We're going to have to build again real soon. Oh, Jesus, help me. No, Lord, no. But you know what? For this generation, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to capture the hearts of this generation and to win them with the good news of Jesus Christ and shape their lives when they're young. In August, because we have a passion to reach this generation, we launched a junior high experience. Matter of fact, right now at 1030 in this experience, over in the junior high room, there are junior highs worshiping, being impacted, being poured into with the good news of Jesus Christ because we're dreaming about how to impact this generation. Matter of fact, it has grown. God has blessed the junior high experience. So starting next Sunday, October the 25th, in the noon experience, every single Sunday, there'll be a second junior high experience so that we can have a specific experience to to impact a specific age group with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're going to go from one junior high experience to two starting next Sunday because we're not resting. We're not taking it easy. We're not coasting. The devil is busy on trying to win and capture the hearts of this generation, and we're going to do whatever it takes as a church to impact this generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. We're getting ready in the middle of November We're going to take the room out there in the lobby, the red arced room that you see out there. We're going to take that room, and we're going to turn it into a junior high room. Matter of fact, we're going to lose some of our office space. I hate to lose some of our office space. makes me kind of depressed, but I'll do anything for this generation, anything. We'll cram each other up and sit close together. We're going to do whatever it takes to impact this generation. Even means losing a little office space and sitting around looking at each other, going kumbaya, help us, Jesus, and we'll get over depression, drink coffee, and be good tomorrow. Amen. But we're going to impact this generation. And we're going to turn it into a junior high room because we're passionate about having more space to impact our junior hires with the good news of Jesus Christ. Our, our, our youth ministry this past week had almost 300 teenagers worshiping and connecting with God. And listen, we're just beginning. We're just, we need to have thousands of teenagers on this campus. We're having four to 500 kids every single week. So what we're going to do is take the old junior high room and we're going to turn it into our four-year-old worship area. Right now, the three and four-year-olds are worshiping together and that's awesome. But we've had on a couple of different occasions already, we've had 60 plus three and four-year-old kids. Can you say amen? You would say amen if you was the volunteer back there. You say amen. Amen. And so we, what, what a great problem that God is blessing us. And so we're going to divide it up and have a specific worship for three-year-olds in the current three- and four-year-old room. And in the middle of November, we're going to have a, a specific area for our four-year-old kids because we are dreaming on how we can make a greater impact on this generation. Let's capture their hearts while they're young and pour the gospel into their lives. Listen, church, we got to wake up, we got to toughen up, and we got to dream up. Number four is this. There's a fourth thing that I want to share with you today, and that's we got to sign up. We got to sign up. The people in Nehemiah's day signed up to fight. They signed up to do something about the problem. They didn't just talk about the problem. They actually did something 
about it. They signed up to be a part of the solution. Notice this in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 12 through 13. It says, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Now notice this. I want to zoom in right here on verse 13. Therefore, Nehemiah says, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall and at the exposed places. Now, we read that real nonchalantly and don't think anything about it. But, but get the picture here. There's a group of people who want to attack, who want to ambush, who want to destroy the people and the work of God. And they catch wind of it. And Nehemiah comes to the people and says, hey, these guys want to attack us. They want to destroy us. They want to kill us. Hey, will your family go to that exposed place and be willing to give your life so the work of God can go on? Not only am I, I got two jobs, but I can't help you. <laughs> hey, would you, we got another exposed area. The enemy's trying to attack us and, and destroy us. Hey, would you, would you take your, your family? Notice it says your family and, and help us out. Not only am I, I got small kids. I really can't make that kind of commitment. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I, I really want to see us win. I really want to see us have the victory, but I, I can't make that kind of commitment. And you know the interesting thing is this is a, a real story, a real battle, a real war that's going on here. And the Bible says, posting them family by families, I don't see anyone who said, I'm not willing. I don't see anyone who says, I'm not willing to fight. They signed up. They said, Nehemiah, I'll do it. Nehemiah, I'll do what it takes to see the wall restored and the city and this generation restored back to its proper place. And the Bible says with their swords, can you see it? I can just picture little Kel and Cade, my four, got a sword. Come on, double. The Bible says with their families. I mean, here we are with family with swords and spears and bows because we're going to do whatever it takes to win our city back. They signed up. And church, I want to challenge you. There's a real war. There's a real battle. We got to wake up. We got to toughen up. We got to dream up. But we got to sign up. We can't sit back and watch the enemy destroy a generation. The first thing that I want to tell you, as Chris said last week, I just want to re- reiterate it. We need to sign up to pray. Can I ask you, how often do you pray for this generation? Maybe even a better question, when's the last time that you really prayed for the kids in Oklahoma City and, and this teenager and you see the suicide rate and the rape rate and the abuse rate and you see all that's going on with our kids, the drug rate, the self-inflicted wounds and, I mean, the hurt and the pain. When's the last time that you prayed for a generation of hurting Lonely, broken kids and teenagers. Listen, prayer makes the difference. Prayer changes things. Prayer is just some like not some little cute churchy word. Listen, prayer really does work. Prayer really does change things. Can we be committed as a church to pray for this next generation, to pray for God to work in our schools, for God to show up in our public schools, our, our private schools, for God to show up and to do a work in the hearts and the lives of teenagers and kids. Listen, prayer works. It changes things. Let's be committed to pray for this generation. Number two, is this, let's sign up to bring a team. Sign up to bring a team. Let me say this to you. My life was tremendously impacted because somebody was willing to bring me to church. They brought me. I lived in Wewoka, Oklahoma. I'll never forget on Sunday mornings, somebody would drive down Meccasookie Street, usually a couple of guys. They would come down Meccasookie Street. They would turn on Saran. Some of you who live in Wewoka, you know Saran Drive. 
And they would come by 1901, Saran Drive, every Sunday, I could count on it, honk the horn, and I'd come out of the house and get on a bus. And somebody brought me to church. They cared about me. I look back now and I think, because I got kids and I got a job and I got pressure and bills and all the things that you have, but somebody took the time out to invest in my life. And I think about it now and think, wow, what an impact they made because they were willing to bring me church. It's so important that we're bringing our kids to church and getting them in the kids' ministry exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important, parents, that you're bringing your teenagers to church, bringing them on Wednesday nights to connect with God. Listen, let me tell you something. You say, Pastor, I can't get back here on Wednesdays. That's just asking too much. Listen, you can't give your kids too much to Jesus. Matter of fact, can I tell you something? You ought to get your kids around some positive peer pressure in a worship service where kids are worshiping and they love Jesus. They need to be around some positive peer pressure because they're getting enough negative peer pressure. They're seeing the negative. They're being drawn away with the negative. Let's get them in a positive environment where their life can be shaped, their worldview can be shaped towards the things of God. Let's sign, our, let's sign up to bring our teens to church. Let's sign up to bring our kids to church. You have a neighbor kid, bring them to church. You know somebody. I had somebody after church that said, Pastor, I just got my chauffeur's license. I want you to know I'm willing to drive and pick up some kids for church. I said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I need about 10 more of you. Amen. Come on, going once, going twice. Praise the Lord that I'm committed to bring kids and teens to church. Number three is this. Teenagers, I want to talk to you. I want you to sign up to serve, to sign up to serve. Listen, students, listen, mom, dad, grandparents. This church, teenager, is not a church just for your parents and grandparents. This is your church. This is your church. And I want you highly engaged in this church. You see, oftentimes what happens is, is teenagers and kids, they, they come to church and, and they watch adults do church. They watch us worship. They watch us pray. They watch us preach. They watch us sing. They watch us, watch us take the offering. They watch us greet people. They watch us out in the parking lot. They watch us do church and they say, how can I get involved? And no, this is, this is the adults business, adults. It's grown-up folks work. We, we're serving the Lord and building the church. And by the time they come 18... They never have been engaged. And so, eight out of ten students that turn 18 leave the local. I'm talking about kids that grew up in church. Leave the local church because they're not engaged in the church. And listen to me, ministry leaders, pastors of this church, let's make it accessible and easy for our teenagers to get connected somewhere in ministry that this is their church and they can ush and they can greet and they can serve in the parking lot. They can have a part somewhere in the kids' ministry, somewhere in the junior. Let them get involved that this can be their church. When they're 18, they are highly engaged in the church world and they didn't just watch mom and daddy do the church thing. We got to capture their hearts when they're young. Let me say this to you, teenagers, I'm committed to creating a church that you want to come to, that your friends want to come to. I'm committed to it. That's why I'm up here in jeans. I want to connect with you. That's why we sing the songs we sing. That's why I teach the way that I teach. That's why we have all this multimedia. It don't take all this multimedia to reach folks that are 50, 60, 70. They don't care. They come to church and worship the Lord but not you. You're not coming. Eight out of 10 of you are leaving church when you're 18. 
And that's why we've designed a church like we have designed it, because we want to capture. That's why I'm dreaming about a youth facility and ball fields. I'm dreaming on how do we capture the hearts of this generation, that they want to come to church and they want to know God and they want to serve God with all their hearts. Let me say to some of our adults, some of our older folks, thank you for partnering with this church. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving of your resources. Teenagers don't, don't give much. But you're giving that a vision can happen. And thank you for being unselfish. Because I know some of you, that some of our older folks, I know, I know, I know. If it was up to you, we would sing different kind of music. We'd have a choir. Because that's what you like. You know, that's what the older folks like. We, we would have that. You'd say, preacher, hoop a little bit. Ha! Hey, I said the Lord. Ha! Gonna, and I'm all about, I like it. I like that. Like, I love, like it. But this generation we got to speak their language, and we got to connect with them. And I thank you for being unselfish and giving up a few things that you would like so that we can capture the hearts of a generation and put the gospel. I'm so grateful that this place is full of teenagers that come, and, and we got college students that come to this church and are growing in God because you will going to say, you know what? I wish we would sing more hymns. I wish we would have more traditional church, but I'm willing to give up what I want that we can impact the next generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. And to our older folks, I salute you and say thank you for partnering with this young man to have a vision to reach this city and to impact the next generation. And every once in a while, we'll sing, I fly away, all right? Amen. Number four, number four, there's a, a fourth thing that I'm asking you to do to sign up. Would you adults sign up to serve and invest in our teenagers? Would you sign up to serve and invest in our teenagers? Let me make you aware of something. The enemy, the devil, the adversary, Satan wants to raise this generation of kids and teenagers. He wants to raise them. The enemy loves to be a father. One of his greatest desires is to raise up a generation. Matter of fact, Jesus said this about the devil. John chapter 8 and verse 44. He says, you belong to your father. Your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. You see, the devil is a father, and he wants to raise and train this generation. He wants, them, that he wants to be the one who invests in this generation. He wants this generation to carry out their father's desire. And we need more godly role models. We need more godly men and women who will invest in the lives of our kids and teenagers. Listen to me. I thank you that hundreds of you are investing in the lives of our kids and teenagers. I'm not saying this because there's some great need right now because we don't really have one. I'm saying this because, listen, we need more of you who, I, listen, I want the most gifted, the most talented, the most spiritual, the sharpest people we have in this church working with our kids and teenagers. That's what I want. I want the most, the, the most gifted people working, investing, training, resourcing, being a role model for our kids and teenagers. They need a mentor. They need somebody they can look up to. They need somebody they can talk to. They need somebody they can pour their heart out to. And I want more of you to sign up to use your gifts and your talents to invest in this generation. Listen, they need us. My wife and I, we believe in this. We believe in this deeply. Matter of fact, every Sunday, my wife serves in the three- and four-year-old ministry. Most of the time, I tell her when I'm going to use her as an illustration, but I didn't tell her on this one. Every week, my wife gets up. 
Yeah, if you don't know, we have four kids. If you didn't know this, I'm the preacher of the church. And so I have to come to church early because I pastor the church. My wife gets up with four little kids by herself, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. My wife calls Sunday morning a tornado. She gets four little kids ready. She feeds them. She hops in the car. She was, this morning, she was here at the 8, 30, 8, at 9 o'clock, excuse me, at the 9 o'clock, she was here worshiping. She was here worshiping. Right now, my wife is in the three- and four-year-old classroom teaching three- and four-year-olds about Jesus. Not because she has to, because I don't ask her to. She does because she wants to. Because she believes in shaping kids with the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know what? I'm proud of hundreds of you because you're just like Tiffany. It's not easy to serve. It's not convenient. You got jobs. Some of you got two and three jobs. You got bills and kids and extracurricular activity. You got every excuse in the world, just like Tiffany and I. I mean, Tiffany can say, my husband's the preacher. I'm busy. But she has a heart to invest in this generation. And I say thank you to hundreds of you that take time out of your busy schedule to mentor, to pour into, to train a teenager or a kid. You have no idea the impact you're making. The men and women who drove that bus down the city streets of Wewoka have no idea, many of them, the impact that has had on my life. And today, I'm a pastor making a difference because somebody invested in my life. In the back of your seats are these serving cards. This is, I want to serve the next generation. I want many of you to grab this card. Listen, if you're not serious, please don't, 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 don't sign up. He said, Herbert, I want to be a mentor. Herbert, I want to invest. I want to make a difference in the life of a kid or a teenager. Would you grab this card and fill it out? Check the area you want to get involved in, Epic or PC Kids. Following the experience, our ushers will be at the doors. Just drop this card in the offering bucket, and we're going to get you signed up to make a difference in the lives of our kids and teenagers. We have a five-year window, a five-year window for many of our teenagers are adults. We got to capture their hearts now. We got to wake up. We got to toughen up. We got to dream up and we got to sign up. We can no longer stand on the sidelines and say it's somebody else's responsibility. It's our responsibility. Amen. Father, I worship you.